And the Bible demonstrates this to us again and again and again. Our first point this morning is God is judge. God is judge. When you think of judge, you most likely think about a courtroom and a man sitting or a woman sitting at the front on a bench with a robe on. They've got the gavel and they are those who make decisions. They are to discern, distinguish between what is right and what is wrong in a particular case. The Bible teaches us that God is the supreme judge of all. You watch television, you see people saying things, oh, you can't judge me, you can't judge me. Well, one day, everybody's going to be judged. There are people who laugh at us and say, oh, that's, that's myth, that's not true. How often that changes at the hour of their death. God will judge all. The Bible provides a number of examples from the fall in the garden to the book of Revelation where God executes his righteous judgment. Now keep in mind, we've been talking about who God is. God is the only perfect being in existence. In God, there is no sin. First John said, he, in him, there's no darkness at all. God is light. God is good. God is true. God determines what reality is. And indeed, we do see lots of examples in the Old Testament of judgment. When you read in Genesis chapter 3 of God coming in the quote-unquote cool of the day, I was taking a class in, uh, a class in Hebrew uh, in Charlotte, North Carolina in the early 2000s, and our teacher, our professor said, that word there that we see in the English is cool. In the Hebrew, it can also be looked at as in the day of judgment. And God came in the day of judgment because that's exactly what happens in Genesis chapter 3. God comes in judgment. And because of the disobedience of our first parents, we are the recipients of the consequences of sin. You remember what sin is? Missing the mark of the standard of God's glory. We do it every day. We do it every day. God judged the first parents and through them all of humanity. We go a little further down the road in Genesis and we see a man named Noah began to build an ark, right? Why is he building the ark? The scripture said the intention of the hearts of men and women during that time was only evil, meaning against God. And God was going to bring judgment, and he did in the flood. This, this morning, I survey two places from the Old Testament. And I, I do want you to hear them very closely. I'm going to read them in their entirety because it's necessary for you to hear them. And as I give you the word of God, listen for why it is that God judges his people. Now, in this, these two instances, he's judging 
his people. In 722 BC, God brought judgment against the northern kingdom of Israel. The kingdoms have separated. And here God is going to bring judgment on the northern kingdom. If you have your Bible, I'd love for you to follow along too. This is 2 Kings chapter 17, verse 6 to 23. Hear the word of the Lord, brothers and sisters. In the ninth year of Hosea, the king of Assyria captured Samaria. Samaria was the, the, the capital of the northern kingdom of Israel. And he carried the Israelites away to Assyria and placed them in Halah and on the Habor, the river of Gozan, and in the cities of the Medes. And this occurred because the people of Israel had sinned against the Lord their God, who had brought them up out of the land of Egypt from under the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and had feared other gods and walked in the customs of the nations, whom the Lord drove out before the people of Israel, and in the customs of the kings Israel had practiced. And the people of Israel did secretly against the Lord their God things that were not right. They built for themselves high places, meaning altars of worship to idols. They built for themselves high places in all their towns, from watchtower to fortified city. They set up for themselves pillars and asherim on every high hill and under every green tree. And you'll remember the asherim were uh, uh, statues of idols of these quote-unquote goddesses of fertility. And there they made offerings on all the high places. And listen to this. As the nations did whom the Lord carried away before them. You'll remember last week I talked about Abraham. You remember that? And I told you that God's, God made a people out of Abraham and he sent those people back into paganism. I'll say it that way, back into paganism. To do what? To be light. And this is what has occurred over time. And they did wicked things, provoking the Lord to anger. And they served idols, of which the Lord had said to them, You shall not do this. Yet the Lord warned Israel and Judah, southern kingdom, by every prophet and every seer, saying, Turn from your evil ways and keep my commandments and my statutes in accordance with all the law that I commanded your fathers and that I sent to you by my servants, the prophets. But they would not listen, but were stubborn as their fathers had been who did not believe in the Lord their God. They despised God's statutes 
and God's covenant that he made with their fathers and the warnings that he gave them. They despised those. They ignored them. They didn't listen to them. They did what they wanted to do. They went after false god idols and became false. Now notice that. They went after false idols and became false. They became what it was they were following. Emptiness, empty-headed, vain, foolish. And they followed the nations that were around them, concerning whom the Lord had commanded them that they should not do like them. And they abandoned all the commandments of the Lord their God and made for themselves metal images of two calves. And they made an Asherah and worshipped all the host of heaven and served Baal. You remember Baal is a, was a, 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 an idol of, of, of the weather. And listen to how bad it got. And they burned their sons and their daughters as offerings and used divination, i.e. or magic, and omens and sold themselves to do evil in the sight of the Lord, provoking him to anger, forgetting that God is always watching. Therefore, the Lord was very angry with Israel and he removed them out of his sight. None was left but the tribe of Judah only, the southern kingdom. Judah also did not keep the commandments of the Lord their God, but walked in the customs that Israel had introduced. And the Lord rejected all the descendants of Israel and afflicted them and gave them into the hand of plunderers until he had cast them out of his sight, out of the land of promise. When he had torn Israel from the house of David, King David that is, they made Jeroboam the son of Nebat king. And Jeroboam, Jeroboam the first king of the northern kingdom of Israel, Jeroboam drove Israel from following the Lord and made them commit great sin. He changed the place of worship from Jerusalem to Samaria. It was he who commissioned the, 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 the fabrication or the, the making of the two metal calves. The people of Israel walked in all the sins that Jeroboam did. They did not depart from them until the Lord removed Israel out of his sight as he had spoken by all his servants, the prophets. So Israel was exiled from their own land to Assyria until this day. In 586 B.C., God brought judgment against the southern kingdom of Judah. Hear the Lord's word in 2 Kings chapter 25, and I'm going to read it in its entirety, verses 1 to 20. This is important history that if we do not, as the church, pay attention to, you read over in the book of Revelation where the Lord Jesus says, he may come and blow out your flames. And we don't want that to happen here. Amen. Or any church, for that matter, of the Lord Jesus. Second Kings chapter 25, verses 1 to 20. 
And in the ninth year of his reign, in the tenth month, on the tenth day of the month, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came over, <clears throat> came along with all his army against Jerusalem and laid siege to it. And they built siege works all around it. So the city was besieged till the eleventh year of King Zedekiah. They cut off every gate so people couldn't get out. They came to conquer the city. So the city was besieged till the eleventh year of King Zedekiah. On the ninth day of the fourth month, the famine was so severe in the city that there was no food for the people of the land. Then a breach was made in the city, and all the men of war fled by night by the way of the gate between the two walls, by the king's garden, though the Chaldeans were around the city. And the Chaldeans is another name for Babylonians. And they went in the direction of the Arabah, but the army of the Chaldeans pursued the king and overtook him in the plains of Jericho, and all his army was scattered from him. Then they captured the king, brought him up to the king of Babylon at Riblah, Nebuchadnezzar, and they passed sentence on him. Now, what I didn't tell you, I'm going to stop here. God sent Nebuchadnezzar to <clears throat> raise, R-A-Z-E, lower Jerusalem. God sent a pagan king to discipline his people. They slaughtered the sons of Zedekiah before his eyes. And they put out the eyes of Zedekiah and bound him in chains and took him to Babylon. In the fifth month, on the seventh day of the month, that was the 19th year of King Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, Nebuzaradan, the captain of the bodyguard, a servant of the king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem. It's almost like a movie you're watching, except this really happened. And he burned the house of the Lord, the temple, and the king's house, and all the houses of Jerusalem. Every great house he burned down. And all the army of the Chaldeans who were with the captain of the guard broke down the walls around Jerusalem. And the rest of the people who were left in the city and the deserters who had deserted to the king of Babylon, together with the rest of the multitude, Nebuzaradan, the captain of the guard, he carried them into exile. He took them away from the land of promise. But the captain of the guard left some of the poorest of the land to be vine dressers and plowmen and the pillars of bronze that were in the house of the Lord, and the stands and the bronze sea that were in the house of the Lord, the Chaldeans, they broke in pieces and carried the bronze to Babylon. They took away the pots and the shovels and the snuffers and the dishes for incense and all the vessels of bronze used in the temple service, meaning they took away all the things that God had instituted back <clears throat> with Moses in the tabernacle, all of the things that were to be used 
for the daily sacrifices, they took them away. Fire pans also and the bowls. What was of gold, the captain of the guard took away as gold, and what was of silver as silver. As for the two pillars, the one sea, and the stands that Solomon had made for the house of the Lord, the bronze of all these vessels was beyond weight. The height of the one pillar was 18 cubits, and on it was a capital of bronze. The height of the capital was three cubits, a lattice work and, and pomegranates, all of bronze were all around the capital. And the second pillar had the same with the lattice work, nice things that God had commissioned. And the captain of the guard took Sariah, the chief priest, and Zephaniah, the second priest, and the three keepers of the threshold. And from the city he took an officer who had been in command of the men of war, and five men of the king's council who were found in the city, and the secretary of the commander of the army who mustered the people of the land, and sixty men of the people of the land who were found in the city, and Nebuzaradan, the captain of the guard, took them and brought them to the king of Babylon at Riblah. Why did God judge his people? God judged his people because of idolatry, because they broke his covenant with them that he made with them again and again and again and again. You know, when you think about the Ten Commandments, which is a, you know, a, a, a distillation of the, of the covenant that God made, the first commandment says, you'll have no other gods before me. And it is the commandment that indeed was broken in the Garden of Eden before that particular commandment was ever spoken. And indeed, it is the commandment that we continue to break again and again and again. Those who are born into this world are born into this world in a condition of rebellion against God. And as they age, what, a, they're, what they're going to demonstrate is they're going to be worshiping other gods. God, God judged his people because of their idolatry. He, he warned and warned and warned. And then he brought his righteous consequences down to purge and to purify. And to discipline his people. God is holy you all. And God keeps his word. God is holy. And God keeps his word. The second thing I want you to hear this morning is God is consummator. God is consummator. At the end of time. God will consummate. All of time and history. With the return of Jesus Christ who will return as king and judge. At the consummation of the ages, I'm using that word a lot, God will bring all things into his proper order. When you look at the world now, it doesn't look properly ordered, does it? I mean, these the shootings in schools, horrible moral decisions that people make, broken families, broken homes, people keep dying, what is wrong with the world? Well, sin's what's wrong with the world, and we are what's wrong with the world. The ripple effect of sin is all around us. But God will bring all things into consummation. 
in Revelation chapter 20, verses 11 to 15, the Apostle John reports this. Then I saw a great white throne and him who who was seated on it. From his presence, earth and heaven and sky fled away and no place was found for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and books were opened. Then another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged by what was written in the books, according to what they had done. And the sea gave up the dead who were in it. Death and Hades, and when you think Hades, you think hell or the place. Those who are not in Christ go when they die. Death and Hades gave up the dead who were in them. And they were judged, each one of them, according to what they had done. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. We don't talk a lot about this in this day and age. I heard it when I was a young, a young man. I heard it when I was a kid. But this is the word of the Lord, that God shall bring all things into judgment. For those who trust in Jesus Christ to be the Savior of mankind and the King of the universe, you will see in the next two passages incredible news about life with God in eternity. In Isaiah 25, verses 6 to 9, the prophet says this, On this mountain, the Lord of hosts of multitudes will make for all peoples a feast of rich food, a feast of well-aged wine, of rich food full of marrow, of aged wine well refined. And he, the Lord, will swallow up on this mountain the covering that is cast over all peoples, the veil that is spread over all nations. He will swallow up death forever. And the Lord God will wipe away tears from all faces And the reproach of his people he will take away from all the earth, for the Lord has spoken. It will be said on that day, behold, this is our God. We have waited for him that he might save us. This is the Lord. We have waited for him. Let us be glad and rejoice in his salvation. What is he talking about? Isaiah 25, you see again in the scriptures. Do you know where? I have it listed there for you in Revelation chapter 21, verses 1 to 27. I'm not going to read all of that, but I'm going to read a few verses. The the Apostle John says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. 
he, God, will dwell with them, and they will be his people. God himself will be with them as their God. God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. That's what Isaiah said. God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. For the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. Also, he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. And he said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give from the spring of the water of life without payment. The one who conquers will have this heritage, and I will be his God, and he will be my son But as for the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, as for murderers, the sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars, their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. Jesus said that. That's what I want you to hear. Jesus said that. The one who now is seated by the Father in heaven, and we await his return. I'll give you one more passage from the Revelation. Revelation 22, verses 1 to 6. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb, who is Jesus, through the middle of the street of the city, also on either side of the river, the tree of life, (laughs) with its 12 kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be anything accursed. It is the complete reversal of what occurred in Genesis 3. But the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it, and his servants will worship him. They will see his face. This is good news. Because you're so bombarded by the world, by TV, by the Internet, by cell phones, by everything. What we want on a daily basis This is good news. They'll see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads, and night will be no more. They will need no light of lamp or sun. Why? For the Lord God will be their light, and they will reign forever and ever. And he said to me, these words are trustworthy and true. Hallelujah. These words are trustworthy and true. I can invest in these words. I can stake my whole life on these words. And when that is the case, I'm getting ahead of myself. 
the world will take notice that I do not belong to the world, but I belong to Jesus. My conclusion, God called the church to be the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. It is to be a city set on a hill for all in our context to see. God called the church to teach the world who Jesus is. We have the best news to offer the world. We can tell people who God is. That's what the world needs. They don't need more money. They don't need the the right government. They need God. God called the church to call others to trust in Jesus through the good news of the gospel. To demonstrate what kingdom of God living looks like on this side of eternity. Which is why I took time to read to you what happened to God's people when they disobeyed God and rejected his word. God called the church to teach the world that God is judge and God is consummator. Our message is to say repent, turn, and trust in Christ. That is the message of the church. You know, I was listening to, I like to listen to preaching and teaching when I'm driving, and I was listening to a sermon just yesterday from a professor I had in Charlotte, North Carolina, who was a great, great mentor to me, and he was recounting in Matthew where Jesus heals the paralytic. You know, they lowered him down in the house because Jesus was talking, it was packed, And they brought the man to Jesus for Jesus to heal the man. He had a legitimate, real need, right? But what did Jesus do first? He told him, your sins are forgiven. It amazes me how the people of God can get so sidetracked on what we're called to do in this world. The greatest need is to be forgiven of our sins. God is holy, and because God is holy, God will judge his creation, you and me. If this is my last day, my confidence from this world to the next is my sin is forgiven in Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. My sin, my my brokenness, my rebellion is forgiven. In King Jesus, Jesus says to Nicodemus in John 3, you must be born again. God called the church to make God known to the world, which is the last sermon I'll give next week in our series. Let's pray together. King Jesus, you gave us these words through the Apostle John. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you about these things for the churches. I am the root and the descendant of David, the bright morning star. The spirit and the bride say, come. And let the one who hears say, come. And let the one who is thirsty, come. Let the one who desires take the water of life without price, because Christ has paid for it. Lord Jesus, our King, our Savior, and our brother, 
may we faithfully live in the light of your word that those who live in the darkness of rebellion to God will hear the words, come, come to Jesus. Come, come to Jesus. It is in your name that we pray. Amen and amen.